Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I am your host, Patrick Grimion, otherwise known as Patty G. You are listening to The Patty G Show, where I bring on local guests to talk about their specific business or businesses, as well as the entrepreneurial scene of Baton Rouge and surrounding areas. We also get down and dirty to look at the fine print of their journeys thus far. We share some of the greatest of times that they've had in developing their businesses, but we also take a look at those dark times, those bad times in their businesses where they learn some very invaluable lessons. So if you enjoy learning from business leaders or you want to start helping make an impact in your community, this is the show for you. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the latest episode of The Patty G Show. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to The Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. I have a special guest with me today, Lainey King with the Crawfish app. Now, the Crawfish app, for those of you that don't know, is an app that lets you search a 1,000-plus vendors all across the Gulf South for crawfish pricing and availability, both live and boiled. The app ranks vendors by size, quality, and price. People are able to review the vendors to better help the app users make an informed decision about where they plan to purchase crawfish for the next occasion. And so today with me, I've got Lainey King, the co-founder, to discuss all things South, more specifically, the great food that so many of us enjoy known as crawfish. Lainey, thank you so very much for joining the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, not a problem. So let's dive straight into it. And what is the Crawfish app as a whole? Like, you know. Well, I'll start with um, what it does. And you kind of covered that. But it's a free app that you can download on any device. And um, it'll show you all the crawfish vendors in your area. And by vendors, we refer to anyone who sells crawfish. So grocery store, shack on the side of the road, <laughs> restaurant. We call those vendors. We have um, to date 1,318 of them on the app. We track their prices at least once a week. They're updated. Um, about half of the vendors update them themselves. They update their own prices through a, a free online portal that we set up for each of them. And then about half of them, we do have a team of people employed who call them every Thursday for their updated weekend price. So. You can see what their live per pound price is and boiled price per pound is for the weekend. And then, like you said, you can also leave reviews for your favorites or maybe your not-so-favorites. <laughs> the ones that claim large, but when you get there, they're that really small. Exactly right. And you can also see the distance. So if you're just not looking to get stuck in Baton Rouge traffic or Houston traffic or something, you just want to see who's right around you, you can search by distance as well. Very cool. So you even get the little guys on the side of the road. Like I know they used to have a vendor off of Gardier and Burbank that yep. would pull up on the weekends. That's exactly right. And so you even have his prices listed He's on there. cheap crawfish. Cheap crawfish. Five of those trailers throughout the South. But um, yes, so anyone who sells crawfish, who has a phone number, an address, and uh, yeah, I think that's all that we need to have you listed on the app. Very cool. So is there is there kind of a screening process that goes through that, or is it just phone number, vendor, location, and you go from There's there? There's not. You know, people have said, do y'all check licenses? You know, and, and truthfully, we do not. Um, but we've had one issue. Out of over 1,300 vendors, we've had one issue, and it's immediately apparent. 
because they get horrible reviews mm -hmm. from the get-go. And, you know, if someone gets several reviews like that in a row, we, we investigate. And sure enough, you know, he was just selling them out of his backyard, and it was bad product, and so he was removed. Right, and that, that comes, you have that kind of check and balance in place with that, you know, crowdsource of the people who go there. They can post their reviews That's instantaneously, exactly right. and you're like, oh, whoa, hang on, we need to get this guy a call, or we need to remove him altogether. That's exactly right. So the review, that, that part of the app was not my idea, that was my husband's, and it, that was one of his best ideas, because <laughs> I, I had no idea, I'm not like one of those people who get on apps and constantly review, but... I think most people are. I think the average person is, I would say, um, looking at all the reviews that we do have on the app. So, you know, we've been able to, yeah, do a lot of checks and balances, like you said, with those. Well, that's great. So speaking of ideas, what made y'all come up with the idea of the app? Well, it's a funny story. It really was just one of those times where we were calling around for crawfish prices. And for those that don't have the app, you are still experiencing are, this difficulty. Or you're walking in and you're like, wait, $5.99 a pound? I thought, you know. So we were calling around for crawfish prices, um, looking to boil some crawfish, and my husband hung up the phone and looked at me and he said, I can't believe in South Louisiana we don't have an app for this. There should be an app. And so I said, let's make one. What was the process like getting an app started? I mean, what do you have any background in coding? I mean, building an app is not an easy thing by any stretch of the imagination. Right. It was probably good that we were so naive because if we had talked to someone who had already built an app, for example, we might have been scared to move forward. But we were naive. And so, you know, instead of talking to someone who had already done it, we just figured, okay, first we need someone to design the app. And then we need someone to develop it. Simple enough, right? Right. Well, <laughs> we ended up finding a designer. Uh, back in 2013, that was not a thing in Baton Rouge. Now it's it's kind of simple to find someone to design an app-style um, format. But back then it was just speaking to a graphic designer and, you know, see if they had any experience whatsoever. And after talking with several friends and friends of friends, we found someone who had just started her own company doing so. So she did our first design, and then at that point, we needed a developer to bring it to life, and that was the real challenge. And really, it took us about two years to find somebody to do it. So oh, wow. that's why it wasn't, you know, brought to life sooner. We didn't, we didn't actually launch it till 2017. So um, we, everyone who we talked to was either astronomically priced or wanted to change the way that we had designed it. I wanted to use a template, for example, which um, you know, we were pretty set on our design and how it should flow. So we finally did find someone in Dallas who happens to be a family member, a first cousin of oh, my wow. husband, yes, who he just, you know, some of your cousins you just don't keep in touch with. He hadn't talked to him in a while, and we caught up, you know, kind of over fate, and he uh, mentioned that he was developing an app for American Airlines. He works for a big um, app consulting firm in Dallas. And he said he was willing to do to moonlight our app. So gave us a really good friends and family discount. Okay. Like a sick deal <laughs> that I'm like embarrassed to even admit what we paid for it because it was so um, cheap. But uh, we didn't have to take any money from anybody. We just paid for it ourselves. And um, he, he still is our, our developer. One thing with an app, you think um, you're just going to use a developer to create the app and launch it, but we actually use him more 
after the fact. You know, there's constant upgrades. There's constant bugs. There's constant crashes. There's, you need someone who's going to commit to after the launch as well. So that's a, an important lesson, I think. Right. Well, I mean, for people to know and to budget for. Yeah, because it's not, especially like you said with an app, it's just that initial phase is what you need to get started. It's not what you need to continuously grow or get better because I know for everybody who's ever used an app on any smartphone device or Mm -hmm. anything, it's crashed before or something's malfunctioned and you have to update it. That's right. And the developer, if you know version one is never going to be the same V1 two, three years down the line. It won't be this V1 a week down the line, you know, (laughs) especially as y'all are growing. I mean, how many... How long did it take y'all, or I guess how many downloads did y'all have within the first couple months of launching the app? So we launched in February of 2017, and we looked at that launch phase as our beta testing phase. You know, let's just see what happens. We're just going to push it out, go live, and see what happens. For all we know, it could have crashed in 24 hours, and this thing would have never been the Crawfish shop. But it didn't, thankfully. And um, so after about a week or two... I started, I would tell everybody I met, you know, here's what we're doing. You know, what do you think? And every now and then I'd meet someone who would say, oh, well, I actually work for, you know, this newspaper or this media outlet or this. Can I do a story? And then I finally got the idea to write a press release, um, especially with the timing. It was perfect timing. You know, crawfish season had really just launched and this was exciting. Yeah. Appending any, you know, crazy breaking news. Why wouldn't the media want to talk about this? So... I sent out a press release to every single media source I could possibly find in, in Louisiana. At the time, we were just in Louisiana. And um, it got picked up by almost all of them. And um, specifically, the television stations, I didn't really realize this, but they're connected. You know, they might have a station here in Baton Rouge, but their parent company owns 50 other stations throughout the South. So our TV story got picked up and was airing in uh, Nashville and Texas and Florida and Anyway, within the first few months, we got almost up to 60,000 downloads, which wow. our goal was 20,000. So we were thrilled. And, and at that point, we also got a phone call from a major seasoning brand who said they wanted to partner with us. And we, were, we thought, okay, we've got something here. <laughs> this is cool. This is a good test, a good experiment. Right. Well, I, would say, I wouldn't say that was necessarily even just the initial test. That's more of a your proof of concept, like, exactly. oh, this actually is yes. working. Like, this is this is something. Yes. You know, and so how many different trial periods? Are you all doing beta testing, like released to only family and friends for a little while, or was it just you developed it out to the marketplace? We released it to probably about 10 family and friends, and it's, it's very simple. You know, I mean, there's like three screens, so <laughs> you don't think there's too much that could go wrong. And in that initial test with friends and family, you know, we said, great, yeah, this thing works great. So we were like, all right, let's do it. I mean, like I said, we were so naive. It was good. It was a good thing because we didn't have all the fears looking back. We know now all the things that could have gone wrong. We just didn't even think of those. So the initial test to 10 people went well. And we're like, let's do this. Let's to release it I nationwide. It. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's make it go global, right? Exactly. Gosh. Yes. Cause it's, I know for a lot of people, especially with beginning app developers, they have that initial fear of, will it even work? Mm-hmm. Will it crash? And so it stops them from even releasing it. So I think having a little, being a little naive helps mm-hmm. in the beginning because you don't know necessarily everything that can go wrong, but That's you're willing exactly to just right. trust what you've done. And you're like, you know what, let's just go for it and we'll see what happens. That's right. And it was important to us not to have to 
take financing or any money from friends and family in the beginning. Now, we also didn't didn't have to because it was cheap. You know, what, I mean, a lot of apps, you do. You have to spend 50000 You have to spend $100,000, maybe more. But ours, um, we just didn't. And so the worst, we told ourselves what's the worst that could happen. You know, it crashes and burns and we're out less than ten thousand dollars it's it is what it is it's right we're you know trying to be entrepreneurs this is what happened so that was the other good thing that kind of got us through absolutely and you you have you know there was nothing else on the market at the time that was specifically tailored to your niche that you were going after right right like you said you could look in the app store for days and weeks and find nothing that would give you a, a sole source of that type of information right that is so crucial for anybody in the south or, you know, anybody anywhere wanting good crawfish. Yes. Because it's, gosh, I can't tell you how many days that we would say, oh, let's have a crawfish bowl like two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And I would spend those two weeks calling around, trying to find people that had it. And then you had to call them the morning of. Because the price changed. The price yeah. changes <laughs> and they run out. Right. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, we got our shipment in yesterday. But, oh, yeah, we're all out. Sorry. Right, I'm like, okay, right. well, scratch you <laughs> off of the tablet and move, keep, keep moving down. That's right. So, okay. So you, we, you mentioned a little bit of funding and I know that y'all did a venture challenge back in 2017. We and did. I think y'all got second and won about 6,000, I believe. $7,000. 7,000. Yeah. Okay. Then the article I read was incorrect. Hey, <laughs> come on. Um, so what, what was the venture challenge process like for y'all? You know, I think at that time that was May. Yeah, it, it was in April. April. So okay. we launched in February and it was a whirlwind, you know, it was a whirlwind at first of media and, um, we were just riding the wave. I mean, we, me and my husband would wake up, you know, for work, let's say six o'clock or something. I mean, the first thing we would do is check our downloads and you check to see if any uh, new media sources had picked us up. And it was so much fun. And then we were approached to do the LSU Venture Challenge. Now, we lucked out there because we're a lot older than the typical LSU student, (laughs) but Ryan had made the decision to go back to LSU law school. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he qualified, you know, he was a student. So he was a third year law student. And, and I said, you know, I've been out of school for quite a while, but if y'all are okay with it, we'd, we'd love to take it on. So we worked really closely, um, with the team over there at the LSU incubator and they, we hadn't actually wrote a business plan. Yeah. Of course you're supposed to, but it's all in your head. Most entrepreneurs, right? Right. It's in your head. And so it was very helpful actually to get it down into a 30, you know, 40 page plan. But, um, we did that on overdrive cause we had about two weeks to prepare it. And <laughs> then, uh, and then we just, we just went for it and we got into the top four and then we pitched it at tin roof and it was fun. It was exhilarating. We, we were, confident but we did not realize we did have really good competition i mean those i almost said kids that's horrible but i was right, gonna say right. those kids had the really youngins. good ideas but <laughs> they were they were like 20 years old and i was 30 something but um yeah so you know the guy won first place i think he got like 10 or fifteen thousand dollars. it was awesome but the seven thousand, i mean that covered the majority of our expenses for the year so it was a gift it was awesome that's awesome. And mm-hmm. so I've, I went on the app or I think the website recently and I saw I've got more than just Zatarans as a sponsor now. Yeah. So how was that getting those? Well, so here's how that went. In 2018, Zatarans came on as a sponsor 
the title sponsor is what we call it. So mm. that's the brand that we partner with who we pretty much make it look like they own the app. Like mm. I would get phone calls in, during the 2018 crawfish season when Zatarans was our title sponsor and they would say, hey, is this Zatarans? I was just calling to, I'm like, no, this isn't <laughs> this Zatarans. Is this is Lady King. Come yeah. on. But <laughs> anyway, that tickled me because that was the purpose. That's what we wanted to do was make it look like our title sponsor owned the app because that's huge value to them. And, you know, we put them on all of our advertising and um, they, you know, they have a presence on every screen of the app. Well, it was a really great partnership and we grew our downloads that second crawfish season. We doubled them. So we had over a hundred, shoot, you know what? We went from 57,000 in the first year to 157,000 in the second year. So we, we way more than um, doubled, but Anyways, it was a great partnership, but at the end of the day, Zatarans is owned by McCormick, which is a company headquartered in the Northeast, and we had they had some um, marketing director changes, and we never could build a relationship with them. So, I, and I mean, Zatarans is an incredible company, right, absolutely. you know, and I'm not at all um, saying anything uh, negative about the company, and we really appreciated that partnership. But by the end of the 2018 season, they had decided to put their dollars elsewhere. So 2019 comes around, and so this was this past crawfish season. Mm -hmm. We did not have a title sponsor at the start of the season, and I was working full-time still, you know, 40, 50 hours a week in advertising sales. And we had just had our third baby, so we had three, five and under at the time, and it just... It, it honestly, I, there just was no time. There was no time to secure another title sponsor. So we went into 2019 without a title sponsor. We partnered with several smaller um, partners, I guess you'd call them, you know, grocery stores and restaurants and um, great brands, but we just didn't have that big revenue generating title sponsor that we mm. needed for 2019. Still did okay with our revenue, but... At the end of the season, it we had to really evaluate, um, you know, our kind of our values and what we wanted to do with the app. And we made a very big decision for me to step down and resign from my full-time job and to pursue the Crawfish app full-time. So now I'm the full-time operator of the app. And this 2020 season will be my first season all day, every day, running the apps. I'm thrilled. We've got That's... lots of ideas. We've got <laughs> lots of things in the works. And I'm very excited to say we've already secured a title sponsor for 2020. And so we're actually partnering with Louisiana Fish right now. Ooh. Which is so exciting because they are headquartered here in Baton Rouge. Right, right. right. So this is like as local as it can possibly get. We already have some events planned together. It, this is going to be a good working relationship that, you know, we meet probably once every couple of weeks now in person. I mean, this is going to be a lot different and I think this is the best fit for us. So we're very excited. That's awesome. What, yeah. what is it like working with Louisiana Fish Fry, you know, a local, a big name local company here yeah. as your head sponsor? I mean, it, it's thrilling. It was our dream when we created this concept in 2013, our dream of working with Zatarain's Louisiana Fish Fry. I mean, that's who... I thought, wow, if I could get, you know, right now we have about 230,000 users on the app. I'm like, if we can get someone like Louisiana Fish Fry who spends gobs of marketing dollars on the radio or at the time, you know, back in the day, radio, TV, magazines, I mean, everywhere they can in hopes of grabbing 
that person who's looking for crawfish. Mm -hmm. I'm serving it to them on a platter, like right right here. Here, I have 230,000 people. (laughs) I've got a lot of people. Who might want to use your product in the next hour, in the next 24 hours. So I knew it could be very, from a marketing mind, I knew it could be very beneficial. So, um, yeah, I think we, we feel that this is an equally beneficial thing and, and both sides are really excited and it's going to be good. That's great. So Thanks. as, as far as the title sponsor, you've got them, but do you also have like any other smaller sponsors or are you even letting, you know, stores pay you to get certain rankings in the app? Yeah. So the way that we do it is we have, um, banner ads. Once mm-hmm. you, you know, can start looking at prices and comparing and toggling in the app, you'll see every five listings, there's a banner ad. We try to keep it, and we have, we've been able to, to advertisers who can benefit from our user, user base, of course, but then also that, that the user can benefit from. So it might be a coupon for, you know, a beer company or a grocery store or um, seasoning, you know, something that you're going to need in the next, you know, day to boil your crawfish. Right. This year we're also expanding because we have some interest from companies who aren't necessarily directly related to crawfish, but they are trying to capture the spirit of Louisiana, the excitement that crawfish boils bring, you know, that's the type of of company they are. So we're also letting them get on the app, even if they're not a product necessarily for a boil. If their culture and, you know, their brand is known as a Louisiana brand and really a southern crawfish brand i mean our, our second biggest market is texas texas is a huge crawfish oh, market. absolutely so anyone who's interested in just you know just that 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 lifestyle that you think of around crawfish boils mm-hmm. just fun family gathering friends you know a little beer drinking a little right. you know chip eating and just <laughs> having a good time we're, we're partnering with people who also are looking for that spirit that's exciting so you've got a lot more than just one and a whole bunch more in the We works. do, and we have a lot pen, of pending contracts right <laughs> now, contracts. so I don't want to talk about too many people other than Louisiana Fish Fry, which is our you know main shore deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, just anything that you think of when you think of crawfish, that's, that's kind of who we're dealing with. And if one beer brand signs on to the app, they are industry exclusive. So we're not going to promote Miller Lite and Bud Light, for example. Right. You know, so... Um, so that's the kind of thing that we're we're working with right now. Right. You're looking for the that company that falls under your your umbrella of what you're trying to promote. That's right. But at the same time, you're not going to let two of the same companies fall under the umbrella. That's right. That's right. That's a benefit that we offer for our advertisers. And advertising is our biggest revenue generator on the app. So a lot of people ask us that. How do you make money off this thing? Mainly through our advertisers. And then we also have a second revenue stream that I can talk about. If you Absolutely. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm very curious. Sorry, what I'm is, running this show. <laughs> that's, that's what it's here for. So uh, what is the second that's revenue That's what most stream? people ask us. You know, those are my main questions. This is what I get. How do you make money? And when are you adding crabs and shrimp? But anyway, please don't ask me that. It's, it's a work in progress. It's the crawfish app. It's the crawfish app, people. So um, a second way that we, we make money, we just launched it at the end of the season last year. So now we're really revving it up and promoting it to our vendors. So like I said, we have those 1,300 vendors. They all get to list their restaurant, and they get one boiled price and one live price for free. Mm-hmm. And we'll always keep it that way, okay? Because part, part of our, our, um, our mission is to promote the seafood industry. We love, I mean, we grew up here. We're obsessed with crawfish. We want 
to help those very hardworking people out. I mean, that is like, those people work their tails off, okay? And they have to because it has to survive then the rest of the year. Right. So we want to help them out, but we're also a business. So um, they have the option this year to upgrade Mm-hmm. They're listing to feature three additional prices. So a lot of them, as you probably know, run 10-pound specials, mm-hmm. uh, all-you-can-eat on Tuesday nights, you know, that type of thing, whether they want to put their store hours, an Easter special they're running, you know, whatever they want to put, they can put three extra lines of text if they upgrade. And so that's an option that they have this year. And a lot of them are really excited about it. it the idea came from them asking can right. we please, like, we will pay you. Can we please just put more <laughs> prices? And we're like, well, yes, actually, we will make that happen. We don't, we're going to get back to you. We're not sure at the moment. <laughs> we're going to get back to you. Go think about this. Exactly. And then let you know. And then exactly. turn around the next day. You know, we thought about it, and we think that'd be a great idea. We think we'll take you. Yes, we will so, take you. Mm-hmm. So how does that, as far as, like, a pricing standpoint, I don't want to get into the specific prices, but, like, going through that thought of, okay, we now have to decide what we're going to charge these people. Mm-hmm. What kind of, I mean, what do you compare that to? That's a great question. So we ask them. We just ask them, what would you pay for this? And there's a, a range. None of them want to pay more than 100 bucks a mm-hmm. season. You know, We thought about doing a monthly thing, and then um, at the end of the day, we just decided on one price. It covers you for the entire year. Some people have crawfish January through June, start back up in November. You know, So it's, it's a good deal. Some people just do it for a few months. So a one-time fee is what we charge. And we just got the price from really an average of what they said they would pay. And we kind of, you have to think about it like this. And, and I actually have this conversation a lot with them. Um, do, you, do you think if you pay that amount of money, you will at least get double that in people seeing your specials? Like if, if a user sees that you're running a 10-pound special and he's going to come in and choose you over this other vendor, do you think you'll make your money back? Oh, yeah, Lenny, we'll make that back in one day. okay well then it's a (laughs) no-brainer then it's not a difficult decision to make that's right so that also makes a you know we don't want to charge anything astronomical but it's like if this can make you money Mm -hmm. do let's do it so that's how we came up with the pricing that's i mean you have plenty of data to pull from it sounds like with over a thousand vendors for sure even if you get 500 people to respond or 200 you still have enough that you can say okay when the other people ask here is an average price that we're going to charge yes for these tiers of services that we're going to provide for you. That's right. That's yeah. very cool. So what I want to kind of take a step into like kind of like some forks in the road. Were there any points that y'all thought it was just too much and you wanted to throw in the towel? There had, we've never thought of throwing in the towel, but like I said, that 2019 season just last year, I mean, it seems so long ago cause it was so long. <laughs> um, I was, Ryan has since graduated from LSU Law School in 2017, and so he's now an associate attorney at a big firm, and he works a lot. And he was able to help big time that first season Mm because he was in school. Now it was all on me, which this has been my dream, but it got really difficult trying to do the full-time job and then come home and feed and, you know, take care of the kids and put them all to bed. And then that left, like, you know – 9 p.m. to I guess about midnight that I could work on the app and then I'd get up very early and that got it got out of control you know and then the, I mean I had a baby so the baby would wake up all night and last season was very overwhelming I never never ever thought about giving up but 
I knew that we had to make a change. I mean, it's not, I'm not the type of person who just sits there and whines and doesn't do anything about it. But, you know, we had to make a big change. And so, you know, we, we, yeah, we had to cut back on a couple of things. You know, I had a great six figure salary job and, and it was hard to give that up, but we think this season it's, we're going to look back and say that was, that was a very good decision. Cause I feel like if I can focus a hundred percent on this, then it, we're going to have a lot of opportunities come our way. That's great. So what, what was, was it that the whole season there was that turning point or was it just, you know, like midway through you find yourself, you know, making calls at 2 a.m. and you're like, you know, this is just too much. Yeah, it, it, uh, as the season approached, you know, I started to get anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I'm season, like, how okay. is this going to happen? I mean, my son was born May 30th and of 2018. And so, you know, around December 31st, he was about, you know, what, six months then? I don't know. He still wasn't sleeping. And I just, the thought of, oh my gosh, I knew the work that was coming and, and so the whole season was intense and kind of hit that, you know, that breaking point. I mean, right. I'll just be honest. It, 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 there was a point that I just, um, I just said, I, can, I cannot do this next year. And this is my dream. I mean, this is my dream is to take a business that we've started ourselves from the ground up and we've made so much headway with it, but there's so much more we can do. Mm-hmm. There's so many more ways that we can expand on this, so many features we have in mind for it. These partnerships, you know, if I can just really invest time in them can be great. And so, um, so yeah, it, it was the entire season was, was very, very, very stressful. It would probably go down as like the most stressful <laughs> point in my entire life. I, I mean, God willing, you know, God right. willing, something horrible doesn't happen. But yeah, so I think... It's just one of those points as an entrepreneur, you just have to take a, a right or a left. Yeah. And that's, and that's something I want to kind of get into. You said you come from, you know, you had a six figure job mm-hmm. that you're working at. How were they like, were they aware you had the crawfish app? Did they know you were spending every other waking minute focusing on yes. this app? What was their kind of attitude towards you doing this? They did know. Yeah, they did. And, um, uh, I was working for WAFB channel nine. And, but I was in advertising sales, so I sold commercial time and actually some digital ads on their app and stuff. So there was a little bit of a conflict of interest. So we did have to have a conversation when the app launched, like, Laney, there, you know, any of our um, advertisers on WAFB cannot be approached to be on your app, mm-hmm. right? And um, it all worked out because that's not, you know, we were going after crawfish-specific advertisers who were not advertising on TV, so it all worked out great. But um, I would say they were as supportive as they could possibly be. Uh, Looking back, I feel bad because I was in sales and sales involves, you know, a lot of hustle and a lot of energy. And this past, in 2019, I just didn't have the energy to put 100%. I wasn't doing anything 100%. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. You know, I wasn't giving 100% of my job. I wasn't giving 100% to the app. I wasn't giving 100% to my husband, to my kids. I mean, it was just, I was so thinly spread. And so looking back, I, I, I know my bosses and management could tell that I was not at 100%. And um, they were very respectful and actually didn't give me a hard time about it at all. So Well that, and that's awesome to have mm-hmm. that kind of that, you know, business that you're working for at the time. You know, they're supportive of you 
you know, going out and trying new things. They were, yeah. With the exception of you're not, you know, stepping on their toes by approaching those vendors. And I think that's, you know, very reasonable for any anybody to yes, ask. Yes, it was good to have a conversation situation. about right. it. I mean, you're certainly not going to try to sneak behind your businesses back. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're there more than you are away. That's so right. And they provided they us an excellent lifestyle. And I was very, mm-hmm. very thankful for that. But I was in sales and, you know, I had goals to meet and I wasn't meeting them in 2019. And as a salesperson and type A personality and just hustler, you know, you you give yourself enough grief that they didn't even really have to, like, give me any grief. I knew I was slacking at my job and mm-hmm. I felt horrible about it. So, you know, luckily they didn't come down on me too. So that's And that's kind of important to not only to maintain their business, but also to still encourage that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset of people within their businesses, you know, have that, that intrapreneurial mentality, which you had so clearly. Yeah. So with the app being founded in Baton Rouge is the, by far one of the best locations to get started. Um, how quickly did this go and has this been going? Like, are you still seeing, you know, constant downloads or is it kind of spike during crawfish season and then tail off towards after the end of crawfish season? Sure. So, so far, you know, of course I don't want to jinx it, but, uh, first season we had 57,000. Second season we had 157,000. By the end of this third season, we were up to 229, 229,000. So downloads are growing like crazy during the crawfish season Mm -hmm. of course there's this weird lack and it's different in um in different areas so baton rouge i mean by father's day mid-june you're lucky to be able to find some decently priced decently sized crawfish in texas they have good crawfish and their prices are always high so (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna pay (laughs) 8.99 pound crawfish whether it's may or september or February, but they go through Labor Day. They have they have crawfish all summer long. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, we see you know some good activity in Texas during the summer, not so much in Louisiana, and um, and then I would say October is definitely very quiet, mm-hmm. very peaceful. People say, "Oh, is that hard running a seasonal business?" I mean, don't you? How are you going to get it to be a year-round business? I'm like. I'm not. I take a break in October. It I enjoy. I so go vacation incredible. for a whole month. We go on vacation. Really, you know, I tend to my kids' school, and we, you know, plan for Christmas, and 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 it gives like our developer a lot of full time to just hammer out new features that we want to do for the upcoming year instead of just fixing bugs and and kinks like he's usually doing during crawfish season. So I enjoy having a seasonal business. But that being said, October is dead. Mm-hmm. And then November, we can start seeing our traffic going up and up. December gets a little bit higher. January, it's it's pretty it's pretty steady. That's great. And then of course February, March, April, May are our highest traffic months. So what do y'all do during those months as far as like how do y'all advertise outside of taking in advertisements? What sure, do y'all do to advertise question. the app? So the main thing we do, um, I actually put a lot of focus into uh, like PR and mm-hmm. trying to do fun events that'll catch the media's attention and send out different press releases about um, interesting things about like what farmers are, or how are they feeling? What's their outlook on the crawfish season? Or what are the prices going to be for Easter? What's the supply with the big freeze that we had? Or things like that, that the news will pick up. So I try to spend a lot of time actually writing <laughs> um, things that'll get picked up for free. But other than that, because that is like our best 
Like when we see something get published, we immediately mm-hmm. see a spike in downloads, like a, right. a big spike, like thousands and thousands mm-hmm. sometimes. Otherwise, we will do paid advertising. We had like a 15-second video that we had circulating all around, so, you know, paid social media ads. And we did some television and select markets. Um, we did, um, you know, they formally call it over-the-top TV, but all your Roku devices and Amazon Fire Sticks and all that type of thing, we, we advertise there. And um, I guess that's about it. Social media and, you know, video is really what we're focusing on. That's cool. Yeah, because the I know the the article writing has got to be huge for y'all. I mean, you could essentially be the source of news for people all all things crawfish. You got it, and that is what we want to be. We right. want the news to know. Call the crawfish app. You right. know, they talk to thousands of crawfish vendors every week. Like they must know what the current price is. You know what the conditions are. So that that is actually what we were trying to establish ourselves. Yeah, that's great. I'm Thanks. looking forward to seeing where that goes and cool. Kind of tracking the articles and everything. Thank so. You. I want to take a step back away from the app and kind of talk about how and where you came from Okay. as far as, you know, what kind of kid were you? Like, did, were you very sp- wild spirited? Were you very headstrong and very driven? Or is this kind of something like your parents pushed you into cer- a certain direction or were they just, you know, Laney's got all this taken care of. Let's just say, you know what, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good question. <laughs> I was the oldest child. I was definitely a type A personality. I was a people pleaser specifically to my parents. So I constantly tried to get straight A's and, you know, um, did everything right. And, and when it, you know, came to school and studying, I'm not naturally smart. Of course, my mom's like, yes, you are. And I'm like, No, I'm not, Mom. I mean, I pulled all-nighters in high school. Like, I have to really study to learn things. Right. And, um, but I do love to learn, and I love school. So, you know, I, I, uh, I did, I did well in high school, and then I went to LSU for my undergrad in finance, and then I went back to school after working for a few years and got my MBA in marketing, because I realized that's, I was way more passionate about marketing and sales than finance. But, um, anyway, as a kid... I did. I had no idea what an entrepreneur was, and I had no idea how people own businesses. I thought I was from a, originally from a very small town called Donisonville, and I thought that people who own businesses were just given to them by their parents. I mean, I didn't realize you could like actually start your own business. And my mom was a teacher. My dad was a police officer. I mean, you know, so we certainly didn't have a lot of extra funds for them to start new businesses, but. I I worked really hard, and as a kid, I didn't have extra money. Like, I remember in high school, my friends would be like, let's go to the movie on Fridays, and they would just go take a $20 bill out of their parents' wallet. Mm -hmm. That was not an option for me. I mean, (laughs) whether my even if my parents, they might have had a buck or two in their wallets, I could not go take that, you know? So if I wanted things, I had to pay for them, which is a very normal concept to a lot of people. But where I went to school at St. Joseph's Academy, that was not the average um, way of living. So I learned to work and, um, uh, I know before we got started, you're talking about all your little side hustles when you were a kid, I did babysitting. So I learned, you know, I became a certified babysitter. I took this class when I was 12 and, um, at my sister, my younger sister's soccer games, I would pass out flyers, you know, babysitting services. And I can't believe these people hired me. (laughs) A 12 year old, they would come pick me up. You know, obviously I couldn't drive. Come pick me up to watch their, like, babies. I mean, I remember changing diapers and all this stuff, but it was the best cash money. I mean, I couldn't believe they were giving me $10 cash an hour. (laughs) Excuse me. 
But, you know, anyway. So that's how I made most of my money. I mean, even through grad school, I was 26 years old, still babysitting kids. But, I mean, by then, it had gone up to like 15 bucks an hour. And anyway, so um, that's – I was always looking for ideas like that and ways to make money. You know, we didn't have like social media or anything back then, but I could see like as a kid, I feel like I would have come up with some way to like take <laughs> it to the next level with social media. I mean, my, my babysitting club, I would have had employees and all sorts of things. Oh, you'd have been all over Facebook, Anything Instagram. I could do, yeah, as a kid to make money, I was always hustling. You know, do you want me to pick pecans, grandma? She'd give me like a buck. You know, can I, you know, I'd sell lemonade, you know, all those different things. So I think that instilled that kind of hustling mentality and always looking for opportunities and looking outside of the nine to five. Like I, you know, I, I thought for a while, especially in high school, that I had to be, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or something to make real money. And then it was so eye opening to get into college and have these guest speakers in our business classes. And it's like, wow, you know, how did they do that? There wasn't podcasts back then. So that was kind of like a live podcast and they would say how they did it. And so I just got inspired and I knew one day that was my dream that I was, I was going to come up with something, some way to work from anywhere that I wanted to work from. That was my goal mm -hmm. with the app we can, I mean, we right. can travel to Europe and I can do everything I need to do from Europe on the app. So that's my dream. So Living the dream, but still, I need to get my husband uh, working with me from Europe. So, you know, that's our next goal. Well, that's, I In think the meantime, he needs to continue being an attorney. So. That's, that's, that's right. There's still, still the necessity yes. to have somebody working that normal, that the constant, the constant that income. consistent that's income. Right. That's right. Oh, gosh. So, and do you feel like you're going to do the same thing with your kids as far as, you know, kind of show them, hey, oh, there's definitely. so many options out there. Don't just confine yourself to what everybody else is going to tell you. I mean, because that's yes. everybody from the time you get to kindergarten and pre-K even. What do you want to be when you grow up? A yes. police officer, a teacher, exactly. a doctor, a lawyer. You don't have a kid come in there and go, you know what? When I grow up, I want to invent something and yep. be known for that. Yep. And, or you... I feel like we kind of used to, but I think that's kind of gone away a little bit in mm -hmm. the sense of it's so much of a push to churn, it's so bad to say it, but churn out kids yeah. in this model yes. that teachers have been given and that professors have been given, you know, the, within the grading system, oh, you have to do this to get, to achieve this. Mm -hmm. And it's so cutter, you know, it's so cookie cutter mm -hmm. that there's little room to the imagination for kids. But it kind of starts with the parents. It does. Yeah. I think our generate this generation of parents it has changed at least a little bit from mm, our parents, absolutely. you know. And so people are encouraging their kids to do something outside of the nine to five. But it it does. I mean, the kids don't naturally know that these types of things exist. So we are trying to show them by example that these are the types of things that you can do. We talk about it a lot. You know, they call, like, a, if they see a crawfish, they call it a crawfish app. You know, they, <laughs> they, they're so precious. But oh, branding, I love it. Yeah. They, um, they, we are definitely trying to lead by example. We're not going to push it on them because, but from having three kids, we've already learned that you really are born with a certain personality. And so if we see those kind of entrepreneurial tendencies in one of our kids will encourage it but if we see that one is just probably better and some people i mean everybody is needed different. everywhere that's right and some people thrive on that routine i i certainly this entrepreneur shift has been 
uh, very interesting to me because I'm very routine and there is no routine when you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you have, you can create one to an extent, but I kind of thrived off getting up, going to the office, mm-hmm. working, getting home at this time, you know? So, um, anyways, I think some people are definitely, uh, better in that type of environment. So we're just going to kind of see how their personalities play out, but we definitely want them to know that it's available and it's an awesome way to live and we're not pushing them to do any certain thing. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the best ways to do it, you know, cause it's not entrepreneurship, at least to me is not owning your own business right. all the time, you know, right. across the board, a cookie cutter entrepreneur is not somebody that necessarily has their business while everybody in the back of their head, when you think of an entrepreneur, Oh, that guy owns his own business, mm-hmm. but it's more of a way of thought mm-hmm. and how people approach a situation and how they go about it. Do I go about it the same way that everybody's been doing it? Or do I think of a unique way to actually do it better? Yeah. You know, somebody who can improve, and there are many of them in nine to fives that have that mindset, that have that mentality, but still follow that same structure. Yeah. You know, it's just providing the kids, you know, the ability to have a different mindset of, look, things don't always have to be done the way they've been done. That's right. So don't be afraid to come out and voice your opinion, even if it's different than everybody else in the room. That's right. Because that's just an open source communication. You're allowing people to grow and you're not restricting them to something. Definitely. You know, brainstorming what, whatever with you everybody. Do, yeah. Just do it. Just whatever you do, hustle and do it well. Like be the best at it or try. You know, don't, we just don't want to produce like lazy kids. I mean, that's like my <laughs> biggest pet peeve, you know, or someone who doesn't, you know, give their best. I mean, I don't, if they can be whatever they want to be truly mm-hmm. just be happy and, and, and wake up and give a hundred percent every day. Right. That's all that we really ask. So anyway, that's, that's a really fun part about having kids, by the way, is just, you know, seeing trying, each different yeah, just one. trying to make that, yeah, seeing their different personalities and trying your best to raise them to be good humans and you know, productive citizens really is <laughs> our main goal. That's right. Okay. So looking, kind of looking back over your shoulder as far as where you've come from, like in the beginning, is there anything that you would change given the opportunity to go back to day one, knowing what you know now? Like in the business or yeah, just in life business. in general? Life in, in general. I mean, business, life in general, however you want to come back with it. Hmm. Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, at the moment, no, I, I, there is nothing I would change at the moment. I think that as time goes on and I prove to myself all the things I can do with the app, now that I'm 100% focused on it, I might look back and say, why didn't we take that leap sooner? You know, I don't know. It might sound like arrogant right now, but I am just, I'm very confident in myself. I've always, I've proved to myself in the past that if I focus on something, I really can take it next level. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm spread too thin, I can't, I know that. Um, so anyways, I hope it's not coming across arrogant, but I, I could see just thinking like, why were we so scared? Probably because we have three little bird mouths to feed and it's just, it's scary. It, it's definitely a lot scarier. Okay. So here's one thing. Never mind, I just thought about this. I wish that I could tell my old self and all the people out there who don't have kids relying on them right now, just go for it and do it. Like whatever it is, whether you're thinking about taking a trip or you're worried you don't have enough money to 
start your business or that just do it now while you can, while, while you can work till 1 a.m. and like not have to worry about <laughs> waking up early to a kid. Like right. just, I, I do wish I had tried a little bit more and been a little bit riskier when I didn't have kids, which was my entire 20s. Um, but my husband always says, make me feel better. He's like, the kids are what have really motivated us to take ourselves to the next level. So it's easy to say, to look Mm -hmm. back and say, I should have, you know, done more when I was single and didn't have kids. But, um, he's like, I think the kids are what kind of lit this fire under us to, to do our best. So. Right. And that, and that goes, I mean, people see it both different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like, oh, it's only my mouth to feed or, oh, it's only me and my wife's mouth, mouths to feed. So mm-hmm. we're doing fine right now. We're just going to coast. And it's like, oh, like for you, you get those kids and you're like, oh, snap. Yeah. Like we have a whole nother human yes. that we have to take care of. Yeah. Like we can't just, oh, you know, six, six month old, go and do whatever you're going to do. Like, <laughs> oh no, you need every, every time you're awake, you need attention every waking moment. And so when we are in your 20s and you are yourself, some people kind of get into this this groove of just not really doing anything because there's nobody else pushing them yeah. until they have those kids. That's right. But in, real, in reality, it's the best time for them to try different things. To, to be risky. To be risky, to yes. do anything and everything that you can get your hands on, whether it be for a day, a year, or six months, yes. or, you know, or 10 years. And then after 10 years, if it's still a failure or whatever, you can drop it. That's right. But so many... What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. When it's just... Not that it's just you and your wife. I mean, that's still a, a huge responsibility. I mean, you don't want to have to go knock on your parents' door and be like, hey, like, we lost the house. Can we come sleep on your couch? I mean, but really, what is the worst thing that can happen? I mean, you lose some money. Go pick up a side job. I mean... I I don't know, Uber for a little while, like deliver pizzas. I mean, seriously, like you can make money. You're a capable human, like make the money back. It's, you're going to be fine. It's, it's, it's just a whole different ball game when it's like, we have to pay tuition this month. We have to do all these things for the kids. You know, my husband can't just quit his job and come work with me right Right. now. You know, we can't like, so the bills never get less. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only thing. But like I said, it's easy to say and you know. It, it's it's a lot harder to do, but that's my only advice for like we we talk to the entrepreneurial um, program at LSU mm-hmm. every now and then, and that's what we always kind of leave them with. Like, come on, like take the chance right now. I mean, gosh, some of y'all like your parents are still like paying your rent. Like, take the chance while you can <laughs> yeah. and go for it. You know, don't wait till you have a mortgage and all these different bills to pay. So that's all I gotta say. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So. Being in the Baton Rouge area in business, is there something you would change about the atmosphere or the ecosystem here? Um, of course, I say uh, I do. I do often think like I wonder how it would be if I lived in Austin, Texas, for example, which has just exploded in um, that entrepreneurial environment. You know, uh, where I could go to a coffee shop and just be surrounded by like you know, 10, 15 entrepreneurs who are all like in that zone, you know, we could feed off of each other. It'd be great. Whereas here it's just not as prevalent. And sometimes I wish there was like a, a better workspace that we could all work from. I know a few people have tried and there are a couple options in Baton Rouge, but, um, they're not very populated. And so I do, I do, I wish there were more like-minded entrepreneurs in Baton Rouge and maybe there already are and we all just kind of work from home or mm-hmm. you know we don't we don't even realize each other exists but 
I don't like saying that kind of stuff because then the question's like, well, then create it, Laney. Like, why don't you start a group? Or why don't you? I mean, truly, you know, yeah, I don't want to sit here and whine. Right. But it's like, because I need to do something about it if I really want to see that change. But I guess I don't wish it enough to take on that responsibility right now. So <laughs> for is- the time being, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. No, it's not the ideal environment to be an entrepreneur. I don't think Baton Rouge is. But there's some people who are working to change that and you know, hopefully eventually it'll, it'll get a little bit better. Right. And it's, it's not necessarily whining, but it's opening the conversation Mm -hmm. to, you know, what can we do to make a change for the better for the next generation? If it's not for us, Yeah. you know, what can we do to help everybody else? If we're not even helping ourselves just to try to not have to go through the same thing that we had to struggle through or some other people had to go through that was difficult because nobody was there to give them that landline. Yeah. You know, so what can we put in a place to have that happen? And so I don't, by no means do I think you're whining. I think you're like, okay, this is a problem that you're experiencing that a lot of people are experiencing. Yeah. And so it's now, okay, we've now established that the problem exists, or we know that there's a situation here that can be fixed. Now the next conversation to have is what can we do to fix it? Yeah. And like you said, you know, you get real thin, you can't do everything, give it a hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's starting to find and talk to people and say, Hey, what, what do you, what do you do? Oh, well, I started this. Oh, perfect. Maybe you can also jump in on this yeah. and get a group and get a collective. Maybe it's not just a single person that has to create this workspace or create this area that people go to, mm-hmm. but more of, you know, everybody coming to a location as a collection, as a collective group. Right. And that I think would be huge. It would be huge. Yeah. And I have to say, I will say in our business, we don't feel it as much too, because during crawfish season, especially we are very well supported in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, I mean, it's pretty much the hub of crawfish. Wouldn't you say maybe Lafayette or Acadiana? I don't know. Maybe has a little bit more of a, of a crawfish culture. I don't know, but we are in the heart of crawfish the crawfish kingdom and people love it here. Like I said, the media is very supportive. LSU has been very supportive. I mean, producing videos for us, you know, um, encouraging us to, to speak to the entrepreneur class. Like we love doing that kind of stuff. Um, we, we do get a lot of support here. So that I am very thankful for. I think in our business, the spirit here is, is, um, is very, very supportive. That's great. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> wrapping up with the show, what is something that the listeners can do to help you and the Crawfish app? That the listeners can do? Hmm. I think that um, as a user of the Crawfish app, first download it, of course, please. Come on, it's free. You might right, as well check free. it out. But what would be very helpful is whenever you are buying Crawfish from someone that you found on the app, just show them. Say, hey, I found you on the Crawfish app you know, great, you have great reviews or I'm going to leave you a good review or just mention the crawfish app to them because that our biggest challenge right now is getting that vendor buy-in. I would say, like I said, about 60% of them have bought into it. But as people are constantly bringing in their phones and saying, you know, I found you on the crawfish app, they immediately are thrilled and want to be more involved and update their own prices. And that's what we need. We need accuracy. Mm-hmm. The app is not a perfect science. Some people get upset. They're like, well, the price is different on the app. And I'm like, it, it changes sometimes. There's This isn't like a Google algorithm that we're doing. We are <laughs> right. calling these people on Thursdays. If they change it on Fridays every now and then, that's not something. But we hope uh, as a free app, we're at least providing enough value to say, here's a, uh, you know, what their price was on Thursday. 
Here's where they're located. Here's their reviews. You know, there's value there. Anyways, we, we of course, want accuracy. And so I think we need that vendor buy-in. Mm-hmm. And the only way that they'll buy into it is to know that people, their customers are using it. Right. So that's what we ask is talk about it to the vendors. Show them their listing. Say, hey, awesome. You know, got great reviews here. That sort of thing. Great. So what can, what can I do to help you in the Crawfish app? What can you do? Hmm. You can make your podcast go nationwide. (laughs) (laughs) Be rated at the top of entrepreneurial podcasts, and then millions of people will listen to it and download the Crawfish app. Perfect. Well, I will. I will do my very best with that. I've already got people in Australia, so you know what? Let's let's go. (laughs) And what can I do to help? Uh, Promote it. Promote, yeah. the, promote the episode, tell people about it. Cool, we'll do. Just say, hey, have you been on the show? If you know any other owners or people in the Baton Rouge that are within business, you know, awesome. say, hey, have you been on the show? Reach out. You got my info. I'll definitely do that. Say, hey, guys, you got to go see Patty G. Definitely. I'd love to help you do that. Awesome. Well, thank you going. so very much. I, I had a blast in this episode. Thanks. I learned I a lot. Too. Um, and so for everybody listening, I want to say thank you so very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to Lainey and I talk about crawfish, Baton Rouge, and the Southern culture. So Lainey, thank you for coming on. Thanks again for having me. And everybody, I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so very much for listening to the Patty G Show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day to give this show a listen. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help us out, be sure to click that share button, like the Facebook page, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And with the show constantly growing, we are continuously looking for new guests to come on and share their unique story. If you or someone you know would be a perfect candidate for the show, be sure to reach out to us through the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Show. And finally, I hope that this show inspires you in some way to get out of that everyday muck we call the comfort zone and try something new, whether that be starting a new business or even taking up a new hobby. Just go on out there and give it a whirl. We got one life. Let's live it to the fullest we can. And if there is anything that I can do to help you with that, be sure to reach out to me through the Facebook page. I'm here to try and help as many people as I can get one step closer to achieving their goal. Now you go out and have a fantastic day. I'm Patty G. Thank you so very much for listening.